0: It's time for the Maya Ag Life Daily News Report. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Taylor Charlstrom discusses an upcoming event for citrus growers that covers spray deposition and drift. And I have a look at regional and national agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this.
1: There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water-holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559 564 one two three six or visit our website at Soil and crop putting nature to work for you.
0: The California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross recently joined California Congressman Jimmy Panetta and the Deputy Commissioner for Food Policy and Response with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, Frank Giannis as well as the California Leafy Greens Market Agreement CEO Tim York and others in a Salinas field to discuss collaborative efforts at the farmer industry state and federal levels to promote food safety during this year's Leafy Greens Harvest and Beyond. LGMA organized a tour with industry members both in the field and in processing facilities and partners who hosted roundtables during the event included the Grower Shipper Association of Central California and the Monterey County Farm Bureau. Agriculture fuel interests and several states see the Environmental Protection Agency's March 2022 decision to reinstate California's legal authority to implement a zero emissions vehicle sales mandate and greenhouse gas emission standards as a backdoor way to move the entire country away from gasoline powered vehicles. Several state level agricultural interest groups, fuel companies and attorneys general in 17 states filed a series of legal briefs in the past week arguing the action taken by the EPA violates the Constitution when it comes to states' rights to set their own standards or no standards at all. In recent months, California regulators announced a plan to ban the sale of gasoline-powered vehicles in a state by the year 2035, setting the stage for moving to all-electric vehicles. Since the beginning of the Biden administration, the ethanol industry has struggled to find a seat at the table when it comes to reducing greenhouse gas emissions in a transportation sector. The administration has primarily focused on the need to expand and EV availability across the country to cut carbon emissions. What's more, the Biden administration is expected to release a proposed reset of the renewable fuel standard in the coming months, which has created angst among agriculture and ethanol interests. That's because, according to the RFS statute, EPA assumes the authority to set biofuel volumes beyond 2022. In addition, there have been reports the Biden administration may be considering the creation of EV renewable identification numbers, or RINs, as part of the RFS reset. The replacement of gasoline vehicles with EVs is seen as a direct threat to fuel companies, including ethanol producers. California's Mandarin crop looks to be starting on time next month, although volume will be down slightly. The supply is better than last year, but below average when it comes to typical California supply, according to Casey Creamer of California Citrus Mutual. He notes that two years ago, California produced a larger crop that ended up staying on a tree longer than normal. That had some ramifications in last year's crop, which was down significantly, closer to 60% from the year prior. He says a light crop last year they expected to have rebound again, but growing conditions and with water being difficult three years in a row the trees are still recovering so they're not back to average. This is even with slightly increased acreage on mandarins in California. The U.S. Department of Agriculture National Agricultural Statistics Service noted in its report released in August that mandarin acreage has gone up in the last two years. That said, Creamer notes that Mandarin Quality looks strong this year. He said it is the earliest maturing fruit in the last ten years on a bricks acid ratio from a taste perspective, and they have excellent quality fruit early on in the year he says the crop comes at a time when California citrus has been out of the market for a while he says they were done early last year in May and there hasn't been a large influx of imports so that combined with a great quality to start off the season all lines up to be an excellent year he notes that import volume has been lighter due to a number of reasons this year including continuing logistics difficulties a freeze in Chile and more he says it should be a really good start for the California citrus crop he says it should be be a really good start import wise and better than what they've seen in the years past. Bakersfield, California-based Grapeman Farms announces its partnership with Chicago-based shelf-life extension tech developer Hazel Technologies. With global import programs from Peru, Chile, and Mexico, Grapeman continues to uphold its reputation for consistent year-round delivery of quality fruit to the U.S.'s largest retailers. Grapeman focuses on new technology and innovation in a table grape category to maintain their quality standard. Hazel Technologies' Hazel 100TM product is scientifically and commercially proven to protect green color and prevent dehydration of table grape stems following shipping and cold storage. Grapeman Farms was founded almost 50 years ago in Bakersfield. Since then, it has expanded its supply network along most of the Western Hemisphere and prioritized investment in the best people process and facilities. As a result, Grapeman is now trusted by seven of the country's top 10 largest retail grocers to grow and source dependable, high quality and flavor grapes 52 weeks per year. In Commercial Trials with Hazel 100. Great men found the usage of the technology protected stem quality across multiple different table grape varieties. And colors. Jared Lane, vice president of marketing at Greatman, explains: as an operation that supplies 365 days a year, long-term storage, either domestic or import and export, is core to their business and is something they're really good at. But regardless of how well he says you handle the fruit during storage or how great it tastes, stems have a tendency to dehydrate over time, which makes the grapes look less appetizing and less fresh. With Hazel 100, they have found that their stems stay green and fresh longer. And the longer they're in storage, the more you see the results. The backup of container ships off Southern California's coast that has been at the heart of the U.S. supply chain congestion during a pandemic has finally disappeared. The Marine Exchange of Southern California reports that the queue of ships waiting to unload at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach fell from a peak of 109 ships in January to four vessels last week. Shipping experts say fewer ships than normal are heading to the main U.S. gateway complex for imports from Asia in coming days, and that cargo volumes that had long swap the ports are now receding bottlenecks continue to delay cargo at other major U.S. seaports and inland freight hubs, but the end of the backup at the big ports in California indicates the broader supply chain troubles are ending. Port and Biden administration officials point to a range of factors that have helped to ease congestion, including a tighter queuing system that had ships lining up further out in the Pacific, new container yards that freed up space on docks, and government initiatives that fostered better collaboration between retailers, ports, railroads and truckers but the biggest gain has likely come from fewer boxes reaching the busiest u.s seaport complex for container imports u.s import volumes are declining according to trade data analysts and a growing share of the shipments are headed to ports on the east and gulf coasts as importers ship away from the southern california backup
1: do you know the nutrient use efficiency people Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about
2: Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. The Citrus Spray Field Day coming up on November 4th will discuss air blast spray application effectiveness in citrus. Discussions will cover techniques and considerations for optimizing spray deposition and coverage, as well as for minimizing pesticide drift. This training will focus on axial air blast sprayer applications directed to citrus and other tree and vine canopies. No herbicide boom spray applications will be seen. UCCe specialist Peter Akalarbi has more on the event for citrus growers.
3: The main point we want to cover here, uh, you know, to understand uh, spray um, application uh, fundamentals of spray application, and um, look at some practical um, practical uh, demonstrations um, to um, to see how we can improve um, deposition, Um, because when it comes to uh, spray. Application. The idea is not just to apply the spray to the to the area. It's not just about um, gallons per acre. At the end of the day, it is um, where the material actually goes, um, and we are concerned about getting the material to the um, to the target um, and getting it uh, there so that it would um, perform the pest control activity. So in this particular um, event, we would be providing an overview of um, uh, spray application goals, um, spray application outcomes, look at those and look um, understand what comes out of uh, an application and the concept of, of efficiency and effectiveness. Um, I believe that once we're able to establish the concept of e- uh, efficiency and effectiveness, then we can look at ways that we can use to approach this and be able to achieve those. We would break um, into the field and um, talk about, um, we would do um, spray demonstration, uh, and we would um, talk about um, spray deposition in Mandarin and um, in uh, Naval range. These are, um, do not, cover the, the, the whole extent of citrus, but they are used as case studies to understand um, some of the concepts and to be able to look at the outcomes that we can get from um, a spray, a typical spray application.
2: Spray drift is another important topic that will be discussed and one which Ako has been doing extensive research on to the point of developing a mechanistic model that can be used to actually predict drift in an orchard, based on the sprayer and nozzle types,
3: we had the opportunity to identify um, to identify some best practices that can help to mitigate um, drift. One of the things uh, about sprayers is that different sprayer types have um, their own inherent potential um, for, you know, on-target deposition or off-target drift. And it is important to understand what these um, potentials are so that we can make uh, our best effort, we can put our best effort into improving the potential for, for drift, uh, for deposition. Um, because if we take the system as a uh, as a balanced system, we have, as, as an outcome, we have um, deposition, that's on-target deposition. would have ground deposition, which is off-target, and we also have drift um, occurring. Um, depend obviously depending on the um, the location of the sprayer, this the uh, drift may not necessarily be going um, out of the treated area. But when you take an overall application, the potential for drift to go, um, the spray to go beyond the edge of the orchard, um, you know, would vary depending on maybe the type of sprayer that is used the settings and all um, the uh, orchard design, the size of the trees, and so forth. All of these things um, come to play. For instance, if you take something like a tower sprayer, I mean, compared to a conventional air blast sprayer, um, the research shows that tower sprayers have uh, maybe a better chance of, um, you know, achieving uh, or mitigating drift. But um, understandably, you know, I mean, if you have, you are dealing with a, maybe an operation where you have different sizes, you're different dealing with different types of, um, of crops, um, that may not necessarily be um, the, the type of sprayer that would be versatile to use across the board. So you realize that conventional airblast sprayers are the, um, are typically, I mean, are the most common ties that are used. Um but the air, the air involved in the uh, in the application um, is used to transport the spray to the target. And depending on the the amount of air that is used, you know, this um, the spray material may not just end with the target, but go beyond the target. And so it is important to understand, you know, um, how to adjust the spray, so that it is um it it can you can minimize the chances of the spray going beyond the target because anything that goes beyond the target, there is no guarantee that it is going to be captured in any way. I mean, um, it's poten- it's potential for it uh, to be um, to drift away from from the application area depending on um how high it's it's um how high it's going and also. Um, where, it, where the application is uh, um, in relation to maybe a sensitive site and so forth, so one size does not fit all. So we'll be discussing some adjustments that can be that can be done specific to um, particular tree um, canopy, and um, that will help to um, improve increase deposition. Um, that's on target deposition while minimizing or reducing um, the chances for drift. So we'll, we'll discuss um, the components of the sprayer that can be adjusted um, and um, how to do the adjustments and um, our, our demonstra- in our demonstrations we'll attempt to, um, to show, um, you know, maybe some approaches to, to doing this in order to um, minimize the chance of, of
2: drift. Aqualarby hopes that by understanding and learning the fundamentals of deposition and drift, more targeted applications can be made for pests and less material can be used, potentially removing the need for an application altogether. The meeting will again take place this Friday, November 4th, at the Kearney Ag Center in Parlier, California. For my Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom.
1: This segment was sponsored by Polymer Ag, makers of Anti-Stress 550, the climate stress solution. Find out more at polymerag.com. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, Growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, D.P. of Sales at 559-467-9699. Bee Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination.
0: Deputy Agriculture Secretary Jewel Brona will lead a trade mission to Nairobi, Kenya, and zanzibar Tanzania, from October 31st through November 4th. Representatives from 32 agribusiness and farm organizations will join Brona on the trip. She says this trade mission will provide firsthand knowledge of market conditions and opportunities in East Africa and expand awareness about U.S. agricultural and food products in the region. Both Nairobi, Kenya, and zanzibar Tanzania, serve as strategic ports in East Africa, attracting many U.S. exporters and investors. Last year, the United States exported more than $16 million worth of agriculture, fish, and forestry products to Kenya and $6.9 million worth of agricultural products to Tanzania. During a week-long trade mission, participants will meet with potential importers, processors, and distributors. Research by Penn State University published in Science Daily shows food insecurity increases when rainfall is below normal. The researchers focused on food insecurity in Tanzania and found moving from a year with typical rainfall to a particularly dry year was associated with a 13 percentage point increase in a risk of food being insecure. Tanzania has a high prevalence of food insecurity and is highly dependent on rain to grow its maize crops. Penn State Assistant Professor Heather Randall said potential interventions could include providing drought-tolerant maize increasing access to ag extension services, scaling up ag index insurance, and improving uptake of soil and water conservation practices. The ethanol industry is focused on continued turmoil in energy markets and increasing expectations of a full-blown recession next year. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper says higher oil and gas prices this winter, aggravated by the war in Ukraine, and Western sanctions on Russian oil and gas will have a direct bearing on ethanol.
1: Our marketplace is still very much uh, affected by what is happening globally. And this idea of energy independence is really a a myth, Uh, but the way that we can help reduce the impacts of, of some of these global geopolitical events is to grow our domestic supplies, extend the stocks of fuels that we have here in the U.S.,
0: Including biofuels like corn ethanol and biodiesel, and then there's a growing expectation of economists and business executives. The U.S. will see a full-blown recession later next year.
1: That is something we are absolutely keeping an eye on, very close eye on, because obviously, when you enter a recession, fuel demand uh, tends to uh, slide. We've seen that in the past. That's not going to be good for our industry if that if that occurs. But at the same time, we also know during recessions, consumers are looking for lower cost options.
0: Cooper argues ethanol continues to be one of the only lower cost fuel options, pointing out the more ethanol added to gasoline, the lower gas costs will be. Pumpkins are on full display across the United States as part of many fall traditions. The production of pumpkins from classic orange howdens to new varieties like Cinderella is widely dispersed throughout the United States with all states producing some pumpkins. However, USA's Economic Research Service reported that about 40% of pumpkin acres are harvested in only six states. Illinois is consistently the nation's largest pumpkin producer by acreage and weight. In 2021, Illinois produced 652 million pounds, more than a quarter of total U.S. pumpkin production. production and more than the next five states combined unlike all other states most of illinois's pumpkins are used for pie filling and processed for other food uses pumpkins from other states are primarily intended for decorative or carving use in 2021 indiana produced 181 million pounds of pumpkins california grew 157 million pounds texas grew 108 million pounds michigan grew 89 million pounds and virginia grew 82 million pounds USDA recently announced grants in support of projects nationwide in the urban agriculture and innovation realm. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain.
4: New USDA Urban Agriculture and Innovative Production Grant Awards have been announced. 52 grants in total, over $14 million in investments in 27 states.
3: The grant program really has a wide variety of activities that can help in that vein. We have two types of projects, planning projects or implementation projects.
4: Leslie Glover of the Office of Urban Agriculture and Innovative Production says the grant program supports pilots that demonstrate the breadth and scope of urban ag and how it serves local communities.
3: Since the program has started in 2020, the USDA has invested over $40 million in 156 projects specific to urban and innovative production.
4: 18 planning projects. Projects and 34 implementation projects were recipients of the Urban Agriculture and Innovative Production Grants. More details about the grants and USDA urban ag efforts can be found online at farmers.gov slash urban. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
0: American Farmland Trust is now accepting applications to help farmers nationwide improve farm viability, access, transfer, or permanently protect farmland or adopt regenerative agricultural practices. The last day to submit the applications is November 14th. AFT's Brighter Future Fund provides grants of up to $5,000 per project. A project may involve one or more individual farmers or farm families and projects will be awarded on a one-per-farm basis. In 2022, the fund will uplift, support, and amplify historically under AFT Vice President of Programs David Haight says that the Brighter Future Fund makes small investments that have big impacts with participating farmers, particularly those who face barriers in accessing other types of support. The Brighter Future Fund was launched in 2020 to help farmers launch, grow, and sustain farms in the face of forces impacting the food and agricultural system. Farmers should submit a completed electronic Brighter Future Fund application to AFT at farmland.com org to apply.
1: Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.
5: Researchers at the University of Florida have made a breakthrough. They've discovered new natural sweeteners in citrus for the first time. Yu Wang, associate professor of food science at University of Florida, is involved with the Citrus Research and Education Center. Through a multi-year project, Wang and her team found eight new sweetener or sweetness-enhancing compounds.
4: We found some um, sweeteners uh, in uh, some citrus selections we have uh, from our uh, Citrus Research Education Center. I'm not so sure if, like, you know about like the sweeteners in citrus, because the first sweet enhancing compounds um, was discovered in 1965, if I remember that right. So it's been like a really long time, and uh, um, we all know there might be something in citrus, but. Uh, due to the technique challenge it's really hard to identify them so this time we uh, actually identify those sweeteners some sweeter some sweetener is even have a very high sweet potency Um, for example some some like is probably four times 400 times sweeter than sucrose and uh, this is like, you know, we are very excited because those compounds are firstly identified in citrus and, uh, and citrus is a very popular fruit. And if those sweetener could be identified in citrus, which means, you know, we can keep our citrus fruit taste good and platable, but at the same time, we can keep the sugar level not that high.
5: This discovery will certainly impact both the citrus and food industries. Wong shares her insights on how she thinks these industries will be affected. For the citrus industry, uh, there have been uh, some um,
4: concerns from the consumer regarding to the sugar content um, in citrus, particularly like for uh, sweet orange juice even though those sugars in orange juice is natural but people still feel like okay that's too high particularly for children that's too high it may induce children's obesity or diabetes but um, based on the consumer studies actually what we see is the sweetness part is always um, highly correlated with consumer preference so which means our consumer they like sweeter products but they at the same time they don't want to consume too much sugar so the you know when we find those sweeteners which sh- somehow we can solve the dilemma hopefully in the near future we can keep you know the uh consumers still like this product because they still taste the sweet um but at the same time we keep the sugar level lower so i think um this is how I see a solution for the dilemma for the citrus industry and for the food industry. Well, um, you know, like for the food industry, like a lot of company are looking for a natural sweetener and uh, uh, in our study, we identified uh, one compound named auxin. That's an oxine diuretized compound. So that swinner actually is an artificial swinner synthesized the first in Japan. And uh, everybody thought that's just a... You know, synthesized compound. It's no way we can identify that in nature. So, but this time we identify that compound in citrus, which means that compound could be naturally synthesized. So it's not a it's not a artificial sweetener. It could be a natural sweetener, and that compound is four hundred times sweeter than sucrose. So we see that as very exciting for the food industry if you know someday this compound could be like produced uh, naturally a lot and it, then it could be used for the
5: food or beverage industry as a sweetener, as a natural sweetener. Wong said breeding teams at UF are trying to find the genes that control the sweeteners. If found it could inspire a new wave of orange varieties that contain these desirable characteristics.
4: Well, that's actually the work we're doing with uh, our breeding teams here, cause I'm not a breeder, I'm a chemist. So we have a very strong breeding teams at UF Citrus Research Education Center. And uh, so uh, my lab is working with them. So they are trying to identify the genes which control those specific sweeteners in citrus. So um, hopefully they can breed some like new varieties uh, contain those like compounds more and less sugar. My lab, we mainly focus on the flavor modulations. So we're just trying to make the food or the beverage taste better. Uh, Either it could be a sweetener or bitter inhibitor or salty enhancer. So we just want to make the things taste better, but at the same time, you know, could still keep that health benefit.
5: This is Kylie Harlan reporting for My Ag Life.
0: Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect.